0: It's always so exciting to hear out of the Word of God, and um, it's something that I'm afraid has become such a normal thing in our world, instead of something truly extraordinary. And um, it's an absolute uh, privilege for me to be standing here in front of you guys today. Um, this is something that is very close to my heart, and that's Jesus Christ and the people, uh, and the people in this building especially, and this is a, it's a great honor for me. Um, And this is a very big deal to me as well. Um, I have have the privilege and honor of speaking about Jesus Christ today uh, where it can sense identity, which is something that I feel is really lacking in our concept uh, where Jesus Christ has has joined a long series of superheroes that we all adore and admire and we can call the stats out and he can do this and this one can do that and Christ can do this and this and that. But now he's on this wall of fame, but he's just a a fictitious character in our minds something that you want to really believe in, but it's not the real deal. It's sort of, Christ has sort of landed somewhere that, like that for us. And um, when, when Anna asked me to, to preach on the Good Shepherd, uh, uh, I thought about it a lot, and I thought this is quite a, a simple uh, par- a parable, if you, if you look at it plainly, because we all get it. Okay, cool, there's, there's this guy who's protecting the sheep. Great. And it's sort of very, um, if you go down Christ's parables and everything that he said while he was here, um, it's, it seems like the least complicated one to get. But as I sat in the Word and I sat with God and week after week and thinking about it, and like, why does he say what he say? Why did he use the concept of a shepherd? He used any concept in the world. Why shepherd and why sheep? And I went down this beautiful road with him and it came to these places where I realized that God doesn't muck around. If you have to realize that he wrote this book, God wrote this book, and this is basically 4,000 years, right? That spans from when the, f- for the first words were written to the last words, basically 4,000 years. And this is all he wrote over 4,000 years. If you have to uh, see, uh, see the book that they wrote on Nelson Mandela's lifetime, it's more or less the same thickness because there's so much to tell. But can you imagine if God wrote a book that spanned 4,000 years and this is all he wrote? Then we've got to listen to what he says. Because he didn't write things to write them, oh, this will sound cool if I just lead it in like that. Or if I let them hanging here for a bit, then boom, off the numbers, it gets interesting. Like, God doesn't work like that, right? He wrote everything in this book for an absolute reason and for every single human being in this room to hear and understand. And he's not the Riddler. He didn't think, "Oh, I confuse them like this, or confuse them like that, and trick them here and snare them there." That's not how he works. He loves us more than anything that we can fathom. So he wrote this book for us, and Christ speaks here, and He's the Word of God, right? And He speaks, and He says that I am the Shepherd, and I'd like to just read um, verse eleven to um, to eighteen again, um, out of John ten, just to. Just hear it again. This is just spectacular to me. So this is Christ speaking. Um, and he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who, he, who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves, and the sheep and he flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, and even so I know the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep, and the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I just want to read till there. Um, The... Where I want to go to first in this context, it's just a great, perfect context with this flock and the shepherd analysis here, is if you have to put it in the environment where they were, they were in a very hostile environment with these sheep. They weren't in the... Rolling hills of Scotland just outside Edinburgh. There's just water and grass, and you can just let them go, and little stone walls will keep them in check. It's not that environment. They were in a very hostile, mountainous, desert environment um, in this context, with lots of wildlife that would want to hunt these sheep, all the way from jackals to wolves to lions to, to anything. right? And a sheep is not going like, to hold its own against any one of those animals. It's not skinny, but like, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It's not like that. So it's a very dangerous hostile environment and not just that with protection wise also with provision wise like um, was said last week with the door and um, the shepherd also has to not just protect his fold and keep them from going astray and falling down a cliff or getting eaten by something. You also have to take them to where they can eat, where they can nourish themselves, where they can get water, where they can be replenished and you can't take them to the same spot every single day because then they'll deplete that space and then there'll be nothing left. So he's he knows. He has foresight. So if you have to see this environment where these sheep, they go out and then they're grazing. And I see them all grazing. And just understand the difference between these animals and the the being that's guiding them. This being has foresight. This no, being knows smells, sounds, things that they don't even pick up on. It. He can see that there's rain coming. That's good. Or there's a storm coming. We should hide. He has foresight. He has wisdom. He understands them Way better than they could possibly understand themselves. He knows where to take them, where to not take them, where he took them, where he's been. He, if you have to and then if, uh, let me just slow down, sorry. Um, so understand the co- connection of this being, how he understands these beings better than they can even understand themselves. And then you have to think how these beings understand their shepherd. They don't know what he's even capable of, right? But in this perfect environment where they have a connection with him, they trust him. And they let him do him. And they trust him to do that. Then they can do what they have to do. And then they can, and this is a beautiful concept for me if you can see it like this. If they truly trust him, you can't be on the lookout while you're grazing. Okay? So when I'm replenishing myself and getting what I need to do, and I also have to sort of do the, it's not going to be like a good situation, but if they trust Him, they can lower their heads, and they can live by faith, and not by sight. You know what I mean? So in this perfect environment, where this perfect shepherd, and his flock that trusts Him, that believes in Him, and that allows Him to do Him, right? there's this beautiful situation going on where he would lay his, down life, he, lay his life down for them, fighting lions, wolves, anything. They don't deserve that. But he already decided to do that, no matter what. And they know that. And they get to understand him. They understand how he smells and how he sounds and how he moves. And they start following him and building this relationship with him. And then there's this beautiful environment where they're not at all capable of surviving there. But suddenly they are because of this man. And that is Jesus, and that is Jesus in us, right? And that's obvious to us. We know that He is our shepherd, and we are the flock. But then we happened, okay? So we fired our shepherd, because we got this, okay, (laughs) right? So that is the perfect scenario, where Jesus, He he is here, and He's committed to us. He's already said that. There's no going back on that, and He's here for us to, to fill in all the gaps that we couldn't possibly fill in for ourselves. And in that environment, there's perfect peace. There's no... The lions didn't magically disappear. The storms didn't magically go away. But all of a sudden, we can survive all those things. I will walk with you through the valley of shadow and death. And I will face all those things. Okay. But then, we as a society and we as a whole, and I'm speaking to Christians here because if we go into the lost sheep um, channel, there's so much to say there, and I will touch on that. But very important for me is we are His flock. And the problem is with... With modern day society and it's now we've gone away from this relationship and listening to his voice and if you have to understand uh, God saying yeah, having a connection with me can, can be so beneficial for you in so many ways there's a scripture in Genesis that says that Abraham kept to all my commandments and all my statutes because he obeyed my voice at that time the commandments weren't even written yet they didn't even exist for that man but somehow he, he kept inside of those parameters because of his relationship with his shepherd and because he listened to his voice, relationship, conversation. Um, and and that is what God wants for us. And if you have to imagine this this whole uh, trusting him and his unconditional love for us. And the understanding and the wisdom that it brings. And the protection and the provision and all of that. It seems like this perfect environment. Our Lord and us. And like I said, then God gave us free will because he wants us to choose him. He don't want us to be bound because of, um, what do you call it, any threats, or uh, He doesn't want us to feel obligated to have a relationship Think He wants love. He wants to be loved. So He wants to be chosen. So He gave us the opportunity to choose Him. And then we responded by, yeah, no, we like you. You're great. Okay. So I will choose you as our sh- shepherd, but we also wanted to do it by ourselves. So what we did is we, we accepted Him as our Savior and as our shepherd. We ask Him to stay at home at the pen in the day when we go grazing And that is sort of our society at this point where um, we have this problem when we go up um, deep into Africa uh, on a mission trip that I was with a friend and we realize that people have no problem accepting Jesus. They just add him to the list of their gods. Because he's great. He's awesome. right? Who wouldn't want that? But now they also have six other shepherds on a day-by-day basis that have to swap with them. And sometimes they have Jesus and sometimes they don't. And and I I came back and I said that's so sad until I realized we've done that. Because I have insurance companies and Google and all these other things that are telling me, no, don't go there, no, don't do this, and no, you have to do that. If you don't want to this, then that, and that. And Jesus is sitting there in the corner. He's like, I can do this if you let me, but we don't. So now, instead of having a relationship, instead of being guided by grace and infinite wisdom and infinite love and infinite possibility and infinite abundance, we are now guided by fear. By doubt. Because most of the things that I do in a week is because I'm afraid of what might happen if I don't. And if we have to imagine this sheep fold, and you leave out all these other shepherds that we've hired because they don't really care, and they don't guide, and they do anything, essentially what's happened is now we're guiding each other. So now we have sheep guiding sheep. So if most of the sheep move over here, and the other sheep's over there is like, oh, I have to move over here because everybody's moving over there, but they're going to a cliff, but they wouldn't if it's not dangerous, so let's go. And then there's this whole sort of a... I, have you ever seen birds like a big swarm of birds fly, and you wonder who's making that decision for them to go? Or a school of fish, and then they're like all pointing at something, and then they move. And th- it seems like they have unity, but it's absolute confusion, and everybody's just sticking with the group because they're afraid to get left behind. But there's no guidance whatsoever. But it seems right as long as we stay together. But there's absolute no guidance. So now we're content with this at this point because we're saved and we're going to heaven one day. Great. So the worst that could happen is I could die and go to heaven, which is fine. But for the rest, okay? No, but this is exactly what I'm saying. This is this ticket to heaven mentality. And then for the rest, we're fine with being this school of fish in society. We're fine with doubt, fear, division. Okay, but... We divide it against them, but it might suit us if we we're with them in the long run because we can earn more money, or we can. And this is ops and thing. And the, the thing is, the lover of our salvation, our bridegroom, has to stand back, tears running down his face, because he's already done everything. But we're like, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? It's, there's sort of this incredible thing where we've ended up, and now we're driven by greed, fear, doubt, and we're utterly divided. Because we claim to, we always want to stick with the group, like on Facebook, like thousands of people would like this one thing, but that's just a group moving in this direction. Do you really like it? Have you ever pursued it? Do you know what's actually going on there? Do you know anything about the situation? No, but everybody else is liking it, so I'll quickly just follow that train. And we're, we're running around and trying to get into groups that actually we're utterly divided because you'll go home um, and say, I actually don't agree with that, and they're so stupid for liking that, and I just entertain them. And there's an absolute division amongst us. And there's so many verses in the New Testament that say that where there is division, the people perish. They don't last. This group keeps on moving and shifting and changing direction until there's no one left. Because there's nothing to protect them or guide them. And we're caught in this circle now. Because now the most dangerous thing for us is we think we have our shepherd. But we do have him. But we've asked him not to come with on our daily excursions. So we think we're fine. But we're this group that's moving from side to side. And um, now at this point we're fighting for resources. And we're stressing about resources because we're going to run out. Because they're not infinite and they're not magically just can appear, and we don't know where to go, or to find them, or what to use, and um, we can't rule in an environment anymore, because where this flock used to go, they was sort of a rulership, because Christ, the shepherd, is a ruler of everything in front of Him, and everywhere they move, there's control, and there's rule, and uh, there's understanding, and where there's now not anymore, we can only try and control, instead of uh, a God who can keep us out of the rain. Now we have to try and build things to keep ourselves out of the rain, and they fail, and we try again, and there's a sort of a we try and control, but there's no divinity, there's no sovereignty, there's no something that can just rule, and um, we're sort of lost. But the great thing is, and if you look out of out of society's point of view, is from the beginning of time, if you have to think of God's children and our people, He made man, and we were His, and we were the sheepfold, and He was the God, and then it was perfect, and it seemed perfect. And then the sheepfold denied him, and he tried everything to get back to, back to them, reconcile himself with the sheep, and everything that he could possibly do. So he sends his son, Jesus. And what this superior being does, the shepherd versus the sheep, he becomes a lamb. Okay? And now this is where, this is now, we always try and think we understand God's love we understand his grace. We understand how big he is, how big he truly is. So if we thought that him being there and us allowing him to love us as the shepherd towards the sheep, that environment that I just described that was so perfect, if we think that is perfect then that's all he wants, that's great. But he wants infinitely more. He wants infinitely more for us and for him and for that relationship. So he sends his son, the shepherd, becomes a sheep. Right? If you can imagine that transition of going from this being to that being um, and dies as one of them so that they can become one of him so that they don't won't, won't have to run around left and right and this and that and death and fear and doubt and all these things ever ever again so that there can be this perfect relationship I became one of them so that they can become one of us. Us and them, and them and us, so that we can be one. And this is this extraordinary love story where you have to think that these beings can't even comprehend His greatness. They can't even fathom how much He cares for them and loves for them and what He can see and what He knows so that He becomes one of them. For what? We never would have even known that He existed if He didn't love us he just made us and left us in the wilderness, we would have just died and never have known. But this God made us, and then he became one of us, so that we can become one with him. And I, I want to read this um, this concept. Just I want to go to um, Romans Romans eight, verse twenty nine. And this is a concept we often forget because. And I'll get to it now. It's, it's a space that I call the gray. Um, we, sell, we sell God short and what he wants and what he can do. I'm just going to read the second part of Romans 8, verse 29, where, he speaks, where God speaks of his children. And then he says, Where is it? Okay, here we go. Romans 8, 29. Okay, now he speaks to his children who are called, called to him if you have to listen to his voice. And he says, Called to be conformed to the image of God's Son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And if you go to 2 Corinthians, it says, We are called to conform to the image of God's Son, so that he can be the firstborn amongst many brethren, many shepherds. If we go to 2 Corinthians um, 3, God speaks to us again. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, and, 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 okay, here Paul writes, and he says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. God wants to transform us from one glory to another, into His very likeness. In the last place I'll read around this is John John seventeen from verse twenty. John seventeen. John seventeen Jesus starts off by praying and asks that God would restore his glory the way it was before the world was. And then he prays for his disciples. And in verse 20 he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That is Jesus' prayer for us. And I quickly just wanted to read that so that it's not just my opinion. God wants this incredible, extraordinary thing for us. He wants perfect relationship, perfect unity. He wants to be our guide, our protector, our wisdom and everything that we need. But he he wants more than that. He wants to transform us into his very likeness and have intimate relationships to share His wisdom, share His power, share His authority, share His divinity. That is the greatest love in the universe. He did not have to do that, but He does it anyway. And that is our reality. When Jesus died at the cross, that is what He did. He didn't save you to be a fish in a school of fish, doomed to just float around for your 60 or 70, God willing, 80, 90 years of your lifetime. He wants infinitely more. He wants deep and utter relationship. He doesn't want to be one of our superheroes. He doesn't want to be one of our sources of wisdom, one of our sources of guidance, one of our sources of power. He wants to be it. And I, it hit me, um, the concept, and sorry, I'll finish in a second. I'm almost getting there. But it hit me really hard one day, and this is the funny thing, and Stephen will love this. I was listening to a Coldplay song one night, and I was thinking, what inspired this guy to write the song, and who's he writing about? The song's called Yellow, right? And um, and then I started thinking of this concept of a a love letter. This song sounds like a love letter to someone. And everybody that knows the song knows that he says, Look at the stars, look how they shine for you in everything that you do. And then I started thinking about Jesus who loves us more than anything. Writing love letters for us, wanting to have perfect relationship with us, wanting to protect us, guide us, be with us, be in us, be through us into this world. And he says, Look at the stars. Look how they shine for you in everything that you do. Notice me. I'm here for you and I love you more than anything. And um, we have that. It's so much more than just being saved. It's so much more than just having a shepherd. A, a hired shepherd in the first place which we're comfortable with. a so promises protection for a fee. Then we can move past that and we can accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then he's our Lord and Savior. But then we have the free will to deny him. So now we've been saved but we're still running around like headless chickens. And then the final option is to step into a relationship with our God and to allow Him to make you a shepherd, a fisher of men, to go and find the lost sheep so that we can all be one, but in Him one, not Him in the sheep, not all us being sheep, all of us being a shepherd. And the biggest beautiful concept of transformation regarding this is if you have to imagine, God gave us this really cute little clue. If you have to look at the silkworm, the majestic silkworm, right? And all its chubby glory, right? With its pudgy little feet going through the world, eating and devouring, and it's fat. And if you have to tell that thing that it was born to fly, it'll laugh in your face. It'll be like, dude... (laughs) (laughs) How on earth am I going (laughs) to get this in the air? That thing's destiny from the day that it was conceived was to fly through the air. But unless it gets into that, um, what do you call it, cocoon? Cocoon? Unless it gets into that cocoon and goes out the other side, unless it makes a decision, as it dies to the old self, then it will never be a possibility and it will die this fat little worm. Okay the leaves on the ground. And that's free will, guys. God gave us free will so that He could have a partner. So that we could choose to get into that cocoon, let Him redefine us, and let us step into our destiny. Okay. And where we're at at the moment, and I'll finish saying this, is, have you guys ever seen the notebook? Okay. All the ladies in the room went like this. All the guys went Um, cheers, <laughs> cheers uh, um, for those of you who haven't seen it it's this beautiful love story um, about two people who are obviously intensely connected and born to be with each other but the premise of the story is that at the end of their life story the, the woman in the story gets Alzheimer's and she can't remember their love story but the man can and he reminds her every single day And I'm afraid that we have become that woman. We are part of the greatest love story in the universe. And he, that man, sits next to our bed every single day reading our life story to us. The greatest love story ever. And tomorrow he has to do it again because then we forgot. Through Jesus Christ we can step into a place where we don't forget anymore. And where we don't have to die the end of that movie they both pass away together and it's beautiful but that's not our fate with christ we can live with that man forever knowing our love story and stepping into it and that's my story today there's this concept of us just walking in the gray we were not sinning and we're not chasing the devil and bad things in the world but we're just stepping into the space where we're just trying to do the right thing but without jesus that we're lost in that place and we need to step into our destiny like that butterfly. And um, that's my wish for us. And uh, I, I got to this whole place. And this last thing I'm going to say is where I got to this place where I could feel Jesus kneeling at my feet, right? Tugging on my pants and saying, please see me. Live by faith and not by sight. I'm right here. And I love you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. um, I'll just, if you allow me, um, I'll quickly pray for you, and then the band will come up. Okay. Thanks. But Jesus Christ, Father, we cannot even begin, begin to understand your love for us. It is the greatest love that the universe has ever seen and will ever see. Father, but I ask that you will throw us into this ocean of your love and that we will completely be enveloped by it so that we can't see anything else anymore. We don't want any imitators. We don't want any fake guides, anything that seems right. We want you. We want the real thing. We want our shepherd. We want our perfect guide, our perfect Lord, our perfect Savior, perfect power, perfect grace, unconditional love. We want everything that you are and we want only you. And Father, I ask today, because we, sit all, we all sit here with things in our mind It seem right and it seems like the right thing to do, but it's keeping us from you, Father, and I ask that you will break these things down. Break down these strongholds, break down our doubts, break down our fears, release us from the thing that we've made it. We've made it something completely different than you wanted for us, Father, and I ask that you will break the thing apart. We know you love us. We know you want every single one of us. And we only want you, Father. We only want you as our life partner for all eternity. And we want to step into our love story and we want to remember again. And we praise you for reminding us every day and for not ever letting up and for not ever giving in. And for standing there holding us in tears because we don't want to see you, Father. And we pray. I pray for every single person here. I pray for every single person in our city and country and in the world, Father. And I pray that every tribe and tongue, Father, will praise your name. That they will be lead, led to you, that will be guided to you. And they'll step into your love story and our, their love story. The love that was meant for them since before time. We thank you for Jesus, Father. That you died on the cross, releasing us from the world and reconciling us with you. And Father, today we choose you from our hearts and from our minds. And we will step into you our Lord and Savior and step into a space that we've never been that we've never even thought of that we can't even conceive of the place that you made for us out of love pray for our city and for our community Father and we trust you we trust you Amen